Good morning, family. What a joy to have you join us this morning. Uh, welcome to uh, a wonderful time where we're going to be diving into scripture. And this morning, I'm quite excited about the things we're going to talk about. We're going to be in Luke chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, I'd want you to go to Luke chapter 15. We're going to read a very, very familiar story. And this is a story of the prodigal son. Um, but I want us to be thinking a little bit more around the prodigal God because there's going to be a shift in that story where we're going to see that God chooses to give us his kindness at his own cost. That what God gives us, it's God choosing to pay for the iniquities of our sins. So wherever you are at, if you're just stopping by online, scrolling up and down, welcome. We're glad you found us and that you're joining us this morning. I'm going to pray for us and just uh, get us to read scripture together. Let us do that. Jesus, thank you for this morning and thank you that this is the day you have made. We surrender it to you. We also recognize the anxieties and the pain and the frustration, the season we are in that has made the whole world to be shaken, God. We're all experiencing something together and not just different people experiencing it in a weird way or other people being in a place where it doesn't make sense. God, in this place, we pray for your help. That be our help. And even this morning, I pray may you encourage us and invite us to yourself, not to the things we are afraid about or the things we are pursuing. May your name be exalted. May your name be praised. Amen. So Luke chapter 15 is a very, very important story. Uh, for me, I think it defines how we relate to God. And as I'm reading this story, I want you to be thinking about how you relate to God. And there's a story about two brothers with their dad. And, and just to give you uh, like almost a summary is these guys um, have been blessed to have a dad who had stuff. And as they were all growing up, they were raised by this dad. And there comes a point in their life where the young brother says, Dad, I want you to give me my stuff. And when he does that, the dad chooses to give the kid what the kid wanted. And the kid left and he goes out and becomes all these other things, parties and do party after party and all this kind of life. And he comes back to his dad. Um, and as he's coming back, he's coming up with a plan of how he's going to get back to his dad because he had offended his dad by the choices he had made in life. And then the older brother shows up, uh, shows up to a moment where the dad had received the young brother back into the family. And the older brother is furious about what the dad has done, receiving the young brother back into the family when the dad had never shown appreciation for him even in moments where he felt like he was slaving for his dad. So my, my goal, literally, as we're having this conversation, I, I want you to start thinking about how you relate to God. Who is God to you? Is there even an actual relationship between you and God? Or oh, God is non-existent to you. You don't want anything to do with God. You just want stuff in your life. You just want to have your freedom, enjoy life, and get to do whatever you want to do, and maybe leave the consequences later. Or are you someone in this life who is trying your best to please God, to do whatever you want for God so that you can get whatever you want from God? Like by the end of the day, how are you relating to God? Or to another extent, are you a person who's actually very moral and obeying everything God wants you to obey so that you avoid being in a relationship with God because you 
are already obeying the things God wants you to do. Therefore, God doesn't really require stuff from you. So as we're starting this conversation, I just want to pose those questions like, how are you relating to God? Who is God to you? So this is what the Word of God says. Uh, chapter 15 from verse 11, look. And he said that there was a man who had two sons. And the young of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my property that is coming to me. And the father divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and as he came, and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And there were DJs there. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. He said to him, Your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back and sound, safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look. These many years I've saved you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a God that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, not even my brother, he doesn't even use that word. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive, and he was lost, and he is found. Man, what a, what a passage of scripture right there. But as <laughs> there's something about this passage that is so real for me because you know i'm malayan i'm african i grew up here and the idea that a father would be at a place 
where he would give everything to his children in this manner it's a little bit strange I'll, I'll explain that in a little bit and I, I hope this will hit something with you now there's a book that I love by Tim Keller it's called the prodigal God if you can find your hands on that I want you to read it uh, he's done an incredible job with this uh, with this chapter of Luke 15 but as I was reading this chapter, I continuously went back to how African fathers are like. How you and me, as Malawians, we have sometimes strange relationships with our dads. Um, or with father figures, let me put it that way. Because not everyone has had the privilege of being raised by a father. But we've had different weird relationships with people that would... Uh, carry that parental care on us. Now, as someone who has been in that kind of place, I've been thinking a little bit more. Like, what would it look like if I went to my dad while he's still alive and say, I want you to give me the piece of the stuff that belongs to me. At first, this idea of a father having worth that you give to your sons uh, or that your children are able to inherit. It's an incredible idea, but at most in our context, it's something that might not be as real. Uh, because sometimes in, in this country, you don't even have enough that you can leave to your kids. But the idea in this passage, you see that this dad had a lot of stuff. He had done well for himself. He was a man respected in community. He had a lot of servants. He, had, he was running a company. He was an entrepreneur. He was doing well. As he was doing that where he was raising two kids, and these two kids, one of them, the younger son, went to his dad and said, Dad, I want my stuff. Now, I want you to understand the people that were listening back in the day. You wouldn't just go to your dad and ask him to give you your stuff. That was a very offensive a thing to ask. They were living in a very patriarchy space where the male, the man, was like the end and the beginning of life. You had to respect your dad. Actually, for you to even speak to your dad, it was not just a small um, thing. And, and this young man goes to his dad. And as he's going to his dad, he asks about stuff. That dad, I want you to give me my things. And then you look at the older brother later, who after he realized what his young brother and his dad had done, he is so offended again by the same stuff. That the relationship between the young brother and the dad and the older brother and the dad looked a little bit different. But both sons were looking for the same thing. That by the end of the day, they all wanted the same thing, the father's stuff. Freedom from the father and they both had two different ways of getting it. They all wanted stuff that the dad had. And today, we have similar things. There are a lot of us that are watching right now that are looking for things that God gives. But we have a way of getting those things apart from God. And there's a group of us that are trying to get stuff from God by obeying God but not really wanting God. And that's the one thing that I want to just sit on a little bit more. That both kids, these two brothers, didn't want anything to do with their fathers. They wanted the things that dad had. And a lot of times, a lot of us, 
come to God, not because we want God, not because God is enough, but because we want the things we can get from God. Our relationship tends to be a transactional relationship with God. And for those people that are that way, we are the religious ones. So the guys that were listening, a bunch of the Pharisees, a bunch of the church people would have been offended by Jesus. Because these are the guys that were obeying Jesus. These were the, if you can allow me to use the word, they were the older brothers. They were the ones that knew what to do, that obeyed the father. They're the firstborns. I'm a firstborn in my family. So definitely that comes with like a level of responsibility. Now, you can, we can disagree on that. But it's like you are the one following the books, being in line with dad or, and mom and doing all these other things. Uh, as a firstborn, you're like the one that gets a proper job. You become the pastor. You become something that looks like a proper job. While the uh, younger brother is the crazy one that goes to, uh, he's the hippie one who does all this crazy, weird stuff that everyone is like, what, what is he doing? And it's so cool and so chilled and listens to reggae and hip hop, but sometimes listens to jazz, just like, like a different person, you know? And by the end of the day, you look at the older brother, you see a lot of us in the church, that the churches are full of older brothers. Now, next Sunday, I'm going to sit on that a little bit more. But this Sunday, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, the younger brother. Now, what these two people show us, these two brothers show us that we all try to either go on the road of self-discovery, which is apart from God, or we go on the road of moral conformity, which is obedience to the things God has said. It's a road, a path of moralism. We are moralistic people. We are following the rules. We don't break the rules. While the other side is like, you know what? I don't care about the rules. I want to do whatever I want. So if you are like me, I'm more of a younger brother type. I'm like, man, self-discovery, what better gift can life give you? And, and a lot of times, a lot of us, what we mean when in that place is like, hey, I want the good things life give, despite God saying all good things come from God, but I want those things apart from God. I don't want anything to do with God. I don't want great relationships. I, I want great relationships. Although I know it's only God that can fully give me great relationships, I want all these good things, but nothing to do with God. Now, what did it mean for the father in this culture, for the father to say, all right, get this stuff? What did it mean? I want to suggest that when the young brother requested that the dad would part away with some things, this is what the young brother was asking. His request announced that dad i wish you dead so i can get my part i don't care if you are alive his request also meant i reject your love i reject your presence in my life i want to do my own life i want to stand on my own his request also meant disrespect because his dad had honor in this place so if you are a person of honor around this area having a request from your son that you can just punish, that you can just retaliate in a way that can destroy that son. It meant that the dad was choosing to carry the dishonor that the disrespect this son was giving him was going to carry. But also, and this is important, 
What that meant was the father was going to tear his life apart to give something that this child wanted, that this son wanted. I don't know if you're noticing where I'm going with this. That by the end of the day, his response was something that we don't see. Because our response when we are rejected, we get angry. We retaliate. We want them, we want to get even. We want people to pay, people to know we have respect. We want to be someone that proves how right we are. But the father does something different. And the word of God says he maintained his affection on his child, on this son. And he bared the pain of losing the things the child wanted instead of having a relationship with the dad. And that is not a small thing. That is not a small thing. So from that, you see that most of these things, the rejection, the disrespect, the not wanting anything to do with the dad, actually pronouncing that you're dead to me, is something that normally we people on self-discovery routes choose to do. We go on this route because what we're really seeking in this life is happiness. We want meaning in this life. We want to be able to stand and do life on our own. We want to discover what life has for us and to become all that we can become. But the idea that God somewhere in the universe is, is the one that created everything for himself, for his glory, is something that doesn't sit with us well. It's something that we don't want to embrace. So we move around rejecting that. So the lenses we use in life and how we choose to see life are basically the, is this good for me? Am I happy? Is it going to satisfy me? Is this going to make me happy? If it doesn't do that, then I don't care. I'm going to do only the things that are making me happy. So to an extent, the self-discovery route is almost a route for a lot of us that were super irreligious because I didn't love religion. And, and at the end of the day, what we see is the people that are conforming to the rules, the moral conformity people, say we are the religious ones and they divide the world by we are the good ones and those kids are the bad ones. They're the, they're what's wrong with the world? Well, on the other end, the real irreligious ones, if you're like me, to an extent, you go like, you know what? What's wrong with the world is all these people believing God and imposing all the things that we need to do. So irreligious people divide the world by we are the self-discovered people and they are the self-deceived people. But all we are looking for, all we are seeking is the same thing. Now, I'm going to stop here. And this is the reason. I want you to really process and think through how have you treated God? Have you gone on the route of, I don't want anything to do with God. I'm going to do my own life. Or this is me. I don't care. I am happy to do life apart from God. Because when this young dude was in his lowest moment, Something hit him. And that something was, I have tried to figure out life on my own. I have rejected my dad. I have not want to do anything with God. I have not seek after a relationship with my dad. But I know my dad has a lot of things 
if I go back to him, he'll probably take me back. That was his plan. Solid plan. And that's normally what uh, we people in the self-discovery category do. We devise a plan of how to get to God. And that plan looks like, you know what? I'll try to be a good person. I'll try to give. I'll try to do a list of things. But in that process, all we're trying to do is still save ourselves. Become our own savior. Because what we are doing, what we bring to the table is what makes us accepted by God. And at the core of the young brother and the older brother, that's what was happening. They all were trying to be their own saviors in different ways. One by being the obedient one who wants nothing to do with the father as far as he's good. The other one like, you know what? I won't care about you. I'll do my own life. I'll do my own things. They're always pursuing happiness, identity, significance. But one was disobeying. The other was doing it by obeying. That's why I'm saying that this is where I want to stop. Because if you are not the young brother, you might be the older brother. Now, I'm going to sit on the older brother next week. And I, and, and I want you to join us next week. Because this is a lot of stuff we're talking about and I want us to take time. But also you might be someone who is surrounded by young brothers. People that are on the self-discovery journey. People that want to get to a different place and just know who they are, what they're becoming, and all these other crucial, important things. And what is important is Jesus steps into the story and shares his story and really affirms that what these two were looking for was the same thing. Keller puts it this way. Do you realize then what Jesus is teaching? Neither son loved the father for himself. They both were using the Father for their own self-centered ends rather than loving, enjoying, and serving Him for His own sake. This means that you can rebel against God and be alienated from Him either by breaking His rules or by keeping all of them diligently. So Jesus shares this story. And offer something that is unique, even in explaining this story. Because our world is divided into, you're either a moral person or you're an immoral person. You're either on self-discovery or you are on self-deception. We divide it that way. And Jesus, he shows up, dies, and provides another alternative. And that alternative is the gospel, is the good news. That says everyone is wrong. The Guys on self-discovery that think this is the best way to do life. And the guys that think like, no, 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 no. You have to obey every rule to the T. Jesus just gets to us and allows us to see that everyone is wrong, but everyone is loved. And everyone is called to recognize this important thing and change and respond to what Jesus offers. Because what we see is Jesus does not show up to the religious and say, you got this, you are perfect, you are amazing, keep doing this. He offends them. He calls out their self-righteousness. He calls out their self-standards. And he points out how their obedience 
is an escape from God. And then he looks at these young brothers that were in the audience and calls out their self-discovery process. They are nothing to do with God process. They're, I want to be myself, nothing much. He calls that out and actually shows how empty that is. Shows how this whole life, as far as we're pushing every other person and making life about the individual, you see that that individual is created for relationships when we are pushing for an individual should be just an individual. And God invites him to see that. You think you are finding happiness, but you are building hopelessness. That nothing that you are holding on to is going to build you to become who God wants you to be and what God has for you. So, let's pause there. How are you looking at God? Are you looking at God as someone who has a bunch of rules for you? How are you relating with God? Are you relating with him for his stuff or for who he is? That's a question for you as a young brother or an older brother. Let us pray. Jesus, help us see you for who you are. And help us understand and learn what it means to love you. And to know you. And to live life for you alone. Amen. As you are going this week, I pray may his grace show you where you need to see yourself as someone who's using God for your self-centeredness. And I pray that the presence of the Holy Spirit will teach you how to love God for who he is. And that the love of God will root you into becoming more like Jesus. Have a blessed week. I love you.